Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. How about them Cowboys? Yeah. So we won Oklahoma, and it was state, and it was state. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, uh, how are you doing on this Sunday? It was not a pretty Saturday for Oklahoma State. No, it wasn't. Uh, Oklahoma State needed to bring its A game and have Texas make some mistakes. And Texas brought its A game and Oklahoma State made some mistakes. That is how you get to 49-21. But uh, I'm having a great weekend. It's a beautiful Sunday. Um, And yeah, it was... Boy, that was some three months, wasn't it? I don't think anybody saw that one coming. No, I don't think so. And we look, we got so much to get into with the Oklahoma State's loss to Texas in the Big 12 Championship and what's shaking out with the college football playoff. Uh, Colby, let's just start with with the game. I mean, you and I previewed it for, you know, the week ahead. And one thing I wanted to make clear was there were reasons for optimism for Oklahoma State. But if they turned the ball over, it would be what everyone and their dog was predicting, a blowout. Um, Oklahoma State turned the ball over, didn't play well. Alan Bowman didn't play well. Uh, They didn't really utilize Ollie in ways I would have, per se. But uh, I think first and foremost, Colby, you got to give Texas a lot of credit. They're just they're flat out just better than Oklahoma State in every single position. I think you could say, except for Ollie Gordon. Um, And it's just, just a different Texas team than Mike Gundy's had so much success against. I think you can officially say, I don't want to say the words, but they might be better than I even gave them credit for Colby. They, they really, obviously Sark was on fire, but their, their talent level is, is certainly worthy of the playoff. And I didn't think it was coming into this game, seeing them up close. Uh, I, I can see that the argument for them to be in the playoff. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely thought that they should have been there. Uh, and I thought that the committee pretty much got it right. Um, What we saw yesterday is what happens when Texas gets coach and quarterback right at the same time. Texas has not gotten coach and quarterback right at the same time probably since 2009, 14 years, and now they've got it. And Sark is dialed. That offense is an absolute machine. Quinn Ewers, he made the one mistake to Nick Martin. Uh, But other than that, I mean, all day, he just, he made the exact right read. His timing on the throws was impeccable. Um, Oklahoma State at one point had four freshmen on the back end in the secondary. Like, Texas is legit. And um, I thought this was going to be a close game. I thought Oklahoma State was going to come out. And I thought Texas would play tight with all the pressure and Oklahoma state would have that house money kind of way of playing. And to, to Texas's credit, I mean, a couple of weeks ago against Iowa state, everybody's sitting there and they're looking at that game and they're like, all right, here's the one Texas is going to drop all the pressures on. They're on the road aims at nighttime. And they went out and they handled their business. And then the next week, two touchdown favorite against tech scrappy dog, black Friday, everything's on the line for Texas. And they go out and beat them like a drum. And then the same thing, three weeks in a row, their entire season rests on one game. Everything they want to accomplish rests on one game. And I thought they would play tight. I thought that they would make a few mistakes because that is a lot of pressure for 19, 20, 21 year olds to handle. And three weeks in a row, Texas went out there with all that pressure on them. uh, And they played great football. I mean, they, they peaked at the end of the season and they're a phenomenal team. So um, yeah, I think that that was a good place to start because Texas deserves all the credit for finally putting it together the way they have. W- when you remember the pain of yesterday's game, remember all the fun that was had against Texas over the last 13 years. Um, they finally got it back working, and they're one of the best teams in the country now. You know what the game kind of reminded me of, Colby? It was, uh, it was a bowl game. Do you know what game I'm thinking of in terms of how the game played out? Oh, the Ole Miss uh, Sugar Bowl? Exactly. Well, well done. It just... This is the first time since that game that I've seen Oklahoma State that out-talented and that outclassed uh, top to bottom on a roster. And I think that's that's something I think a lot of fans are going to come away with this year. And you're right. It's, it's an unbelievable year. They completely overachieved to get to the Big 12 championship game. Mike Gundy certainly deserves Coach of the Year recognition. I just think it's it's interesting when Oklahoma State does get into these type of games – the topic typically turns to recruiting. I mean, they did beat Notre Dame, but I think you can look at Notre Dame this year and really the last 10 
they're not on a level of a Texas. They're on the level of an Ole Miss team, the best team money could buy back then. They they were paying player for players left and right, which is pre NIL. Uh, so that's that's the one takeaway I had. Colby is Oklahoma State kind of looked like a group of five roster versus a legitimate playoff power five roster. And I think that's kind of what happened in the Ole Miss bowl game in the sugar bowl. Oklahoma state completely overachieved that year. That was another one of Mike Gundy's finest coaching moments. And so I think moving forward, Colby, I think you just, you have to get more talent to win these type of games. Um, They certainly could have beat Baylor two years ago in the big 12 championship game. Uh, They're certainly going to be in a position to make the playoff with 12 teams. But I think fans are starting to see that it's it's a little different. Like we can excuse Mike Gundy's recruiting. It just it gets a little harder to when you get into these type of atmospheres and these type of games with these kind of stakes. No, you're absolutely right. And and I want to be clear that we don't say any of this to to denigrate the talent that Oklahoma State has or the players who played their hearts out for three months to get them into this situation. It was a great season for Oklahoma State, and some guys really stepped up and made big plays, but you can see the talent gap. And and for me, it's really in the trenches. I mean, Texas is so big and strong and just can throw people around. And it was my concern, It was and it was why I ultimately picked Texas in this game, even though I thought – I, I thought Oklahoma State would kind of play its A game and Texas would be a little tight. And I still pick Texas to win because w- when you have that much of an advantage on both lines, as Texas does against almost every opponent that they play, it's just going to be hard to get your run game going. You're going to have to play from behind. You're going to have to take chances. And it's hard to do. And, and it's what we see in college football when the elites play a school that's just a tier or two down like Alabama, Georgia, Texas, when they play these schools that are just a tier or two down that they just kind of run them over. And Texas has not been in that group for a long time, but now Texas is firmly in that group. Um, This is the, the best team I think that we've seen come out of the big 12 in a very long time. I, I certainly think this is the best chance a big 12 team has had to win the natty in a long time. I think Texas uh, is going to beat Washington. And then I, I imagine that they'll have to face Alabama in the title game in a rematch uh, of the game that they won earlier this season. But that's kind of the, the difference that you see between the elites and everyone else. And it's, it's part of the reason Carson and, and I don't say this in a defeatist way. I say this in a how can Oklahoma State have maximum success o- over the course of the long-term way. I'm really glad that Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC. Yes, it's going to be a smaller pond, but Oklahoma State's going to be a bigger fish because we all want Oklahoma State to load up on more four-stars. We all want that. You know who else wants that? Baylor and TCU and Texas Tech and Houston and West Virginia and Iowa State and every other school in the conference wants more four- and five-stars. Those guys are going to continue to go to the schools that, that have been getting them forever. And Oklahoma State and Iowa State and Texas Tech and Kansas State are going to get what's next, but in the new-look Big 12 the athletes that Oklahoma State have will be comparable to the best athletes any other team has in the conference. And I think that's going to be a better situation for Oklahoma State because when you come up against a truly elite college football program, Oklahoma State just doesn't have the infrastructure that these massive programs do to put a a top-to-bottom roster uh, and depth with those freak athletes and just these huge, massive human beings that can move people around at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and I don't I don't mean to make too much of this because again, I I think that's just an overall sentiment that's just born been borne out since they've made these type of games. But make no mistake, Texas hadn't done this to anybody. I as much as I think there was a talent discrepancy, and as much as I think Oklahoma State looked similar to a group of five team top to bottom, this was more on Oklahoma State really for me, Colby, than it was Texas just in the simple fact of how much they were flat out destroyed and blown off the map. Texas hadn't done that to anybody. You would, Colby, you would say Iowa State and Oklahoma State are are similar, right? Roster wise? Uh, I would say they're comparable. I I do want to throw the caveat in there. I think Texas is peaking right now. They did this to Tech last week too. Exactly. And I, I certainly agree with that. But the manner in which Oklahoma State offered absolutely zero resistance whatsoever that that cannot happen. That that to me is more of an Oklahoma State issue. I mean, how long did it take Brian Nardo, who again I have given so much credit to throughout the season, particularly the last two weeks in the second halves, how he doesn't adjust to the throws to the flats and screens in the first half, 
It was child's play. They had 400, more than 400 yards in the first half. Quinn Ewers was like setting records for total game passing in the first half. I, I did not think it was that big of a mismatch talent wise to, to, to not even be competitive to me is the most disappointing part about Saturday because all it did is confirm the priors of some mouth breathing Sooner fans and media members for that matter that they thought that, Oh, you should be in the game and that, Oh, she was not any good. You just, you just gave credence to all those people that just think Oklahoma state doesn't even deserve to be in the game, even though they earn their way in. I was so disappointed calling the defense. I mean, they just never, ever adjusted to what Texas was doing. It was clear. It was clear to me they were trying to take the top off. They were saying you can't, you're not going to throw it deep to Worthy and, and Sanders and those guys. And they were giving them the flats. But at a certain point, Colby, when they're averaging 14 yards a play at one point in the first half, you got to make an adjustment. Yeah, I'm not concerned with the the OU fans and the the people on radio last night, yesterday afternoon, talking about Oklahoma State shouldn't have been there. Oklahoma's a better team. If Oklahoma wanted to be there, they shouldn't have played really bad football in the fourth quarter two weeks in a row in October and early November. That gets you beat. That keeps you out of the conference championship game. Oklahoma State deserved to be there because Oklahoma State played its way in. Now, as far as yesterday goes, the complete lack of resistance that Oklahoma State put up, here's just, and and these are really kind of baffling to read, but here's just the numbers to put in context how much Texas really dominated. First downs was 33 to 13. Rushing yards, 198 to 31. Passing yards, 464 to 250 was the difference. They outthrew Oklahoma State by more than 200 yards in yesterday's game. New time uh, of possession. I'm looking here. Time of possession, 40 minutes and six seconds time of possession for Texas over Oklahoma State. I, I just thought... The, the little mistakes, right? First of all, let's just go back to the start of the game to talk about how disastrously this thing started. When Oklahoma State, they're, they're going down first drive of the game. They throw it up the right sideline. Blayton P.I. gets missed, right? Calls happen. But then you punt it away, and you just they score immediately. It's like your defense isn't even out there. Next drive, third and six. Brendan Presley over the middle gets his collar grabbed, gets pulled down by the DB. No call. You're punting again. They immediately march back down. There was also a play, Carson, and this one, the broadcast was perplexed. I was pretty perplexed. Uh, Alan Bowman threw his only interception of the game across the field, and the ball hit the ground and moved, and they didn't review it, and they didn't overturn it. And so you've got some things going against Oklahoma State, but obviously that's not the determining factor. Um, whenever you look at Ollie Gordon, 13 for 34, that's getting crushed at the line of scrimmage and playing from behind. Your leading receiver, Brennan Presley, 9 for 93 and a touchdown. Um, those stats felt mostly empty based on when they came. It was just, it, it was a really bad day for Oklahoma State. Uh, Leon Johnson doesn't totally secure a ball after the catch. I did think that that was a catch and fumble. I thought he caught it very cleanly. Uh, I thought he put it away, took two steps, and then it was punched out. Yes, I think it was close, but I thought it was a catch and a fumble. Um, just mistakes. I did too. Not, not securing the edge. Uh, you know, guys getting to the edge for Texas, not being able to cover the, those deep crossers, those 18, 20-yard crossers over the middle of the field. It just, it just was one thing after another where Oklahoma State kept making mistakes, um, kept missing guys defensively. There was one play where it was Dylan Smith and Xavier Benson, I think, earlier in the game where Texas just swung one out in the flat to the, the left sideline, and Dylan Smith and Xavier Benson each thought the other guy was going to go out there, and neither one did. It, it was just everything that could go wrong for Oklahoma State did. Every Thing that could go right for Texas did, and you do that on a national stage, people are going to have opinions about it. Um, again, all in all, it was a great season, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a frustrating way for it to end because you would have liked to have at least been competitive in that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, nine and four, I, I really don't know what to make of the season as a whole. I, I think it was obviously a success, but yesterday certainly puts a little sting on the end of it. Well, and, and I think Alan Bowman had a rough, rough first half. I mean, he had the deep ball. Was it to Bray that he overthrew? Yeah, Bray, a great route by Bray. That's probably a touchdown if he hits him in stride. And he's hit those all year, and he misses it. You just and he, and he forced the interception down the field that they didn't review after missing that deep shot. I think he was pressing a little bit after missing that that golden opportunity. And you're right, Colby. I think I think Oklahoma State kind of brought their C minus game, and, and Texas brought their A plus, and that's that's the result you get. But again, I'm I'm not going to let the coaching staff off the hook here. And look, it goes without saying, guys, that it was a great year, that Mike Gundy did a tremendous job to get them here. I don't know about you, Colby. Second half, 
obviously this is another example of OSU just could not get out of their own way. And and let me before I get to the point I'm trying to make here, Colby, you mentioned Texas is peaking. Oklahoma State is tr- has been trending downward for a month. They they have not replicated the form they had throughout that winning streak, which included Bedlam and, and blowing out West Virginia. They haven't looked like the same team. I don't know why that is. I mean, it's late in the year, pressure mounts, guys are beat up, what have you. Texas and Oklahoma State were, if you had little stock market trends, Texas was giant green arrow and Oklahoma State was a, a red arrow pointing downward. And I think that's what you saw. But back to the coaching here, Colby. And again, I, I didn't think OSU did a whole lot wrong in the first half coaching-wise. But I'm sorry, Colby. They they have the high snap on second and one. They, they get a score and they get a stop. It's the only semblance of momentum you've had in this entire football game. And on third and eight, you hand it up the middle to your fourth string tailback and punt the ball away. That was a gigantic slap in the face to every Oklahoma State person sitting in the crowd who spent who knows what on money, travel, had to endure at a complete butt whooping in the first half. They finally have some semblance of hope and you run it behind the center to your scat back, four string tailback. Like coaches talk all the time, Colby about, Oh, we just, we just going to run our stuff. We just do. We control what we can control is a, is a phrase that gets thrown out there a whole lot from coaches. And I'm sure Mike said it a million times over his tenure. You can control that you can control. You know what? We've been getting our tails kicked. Yeah. We bobbled the snap and it's third and eight. But we're going to try and get a first down here and keep the momentum shifting a little bit in our favor. But no, they hand it up the middle and give a giant middle finger to everyone in the stands wearing orange saying, you know what? We're done trying to win this game. It's We've seen it a hundred times, Colby. I thought we were past it after the way Mike Gundy coached in Bedlam this year. It's just It's like he gets like Maverick in Top Gun where he gets spooked and he can't engage. You got the guy behind him going... It, Maverick's going, it doesn't look good. doesn't look good. I don't, I don't like this. He's like, what do you mean? It doesn't look good. It doesn't get any better than that. Like again, did that play in that call ultimately matter in the result of this game? No, Oklahoma state was not winning this football game, but you have to control what you can control. And that to me, Colby was inexcusable. Yeah, it, it was the one call I'd watched the game up to that point, And I didn't really have much complaints about the coaching because I didn't think the coaching was playing a huge factor into it. I thought Texas was just a much better team and they were just asserting their will. And that was the one play where even as I watched it live, I was like, that's the one, that's the one we're going to have to talk about because on third and eight, you've got to try, right? It's what we always say. You've got to try. It was going to take a miracle at that point for Oklahoma state to come back in that game. But But what what if you try, you get it, you score again. And you knock Quinn Ewers out of the game, and you got Arch Manning and headlights, and Malik Murphy and headlights, deer and headlights. I mean, you you got to put yourself in a position for something crazy to happen, and they didn't. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're you're good. I I was kind of going the same direction. I was going to say it would have taken a miracle at that point for Oklahoma State to win the game, but this team is not a stranger to miracles. It it took a miracle to beat BYU last week, and it happened. Um, Texas then, squandered three twenty point leads this year. It's yeah, happened. Yeah, and then on third and eight, you run it up the middle for a yard. It, it was the one real criticism I had yesterday. I, I didn't come away thinking, wow, if Oklahoma state had, would have had a better game plan or if the coaches would have really put something together, Oklahoma state could have won that game. I didn't come away thinking that at all. Texas was a much better team. They deserved to win uh, the way they played. I don't think there's anything Oklahoma state could have done to win that game yesterday, but I think they could have done more in that second half to, to give it everything they had. And um, if it goes the wrong way and instead you lose 56 to 21, so be it. But, yeah, I, I thought the third and eight obviously should have been a pass play, um, potentially maybe to Rashad Owens, who, again, was great. Caught a ball on top of a guy's helmet up the right sideline yesterday. He just mossing, mossing guys left and right, had a couple of touchdowns in this one, I believe. Uh, did Owens have two of the touchdowns? And then the other one to Presley? Yeah, two, two for yeah. Owens, one for Brennan. Um, yeah, that was the one play where I was really disappointed that Oklahoma State went there from a coaching perspective. And it, it's just one of those in-game things that you shake your head at and – you hope in a situation where that wasn't a game decider that Mike Gundy will go back, look, analyze that, internalize what happened, 
and do something a little bit differently next time in a game where that does matter. And in a game where that play and that decision can determine the outcome, because that might not have been the case yesterday, but that's been the case in the past. And I'm sure it'll come up again at some point in the future. Um, so hopefully he, he looks back at that situation and says, you know what, we should have been doing a little more there to go try to get back into this one. Yeah. And for me, it's more, again, to me, it's more a slap in the face to the fans that are sitting there packing a stadium to watch you play in a big 12. Like, you're sending them a direct message that I'm done trying to win this football game. And I, I just, I don't understand that. Like you're down 21. You finally have a glimmer of momentum at all. Go score, try an onside kick. You have to try and you watch Colby. They'll get to the bowl game. They'll run trick plays. They'll, they'll let it all hang out in the bowl game. Like they typically do. I don't know why Mike coaches the bowl game so much different than situations like this. I just, and again, I'm not trying to make too much of a deal about it. I was just sitting there going, man, if I was at this game, I would be absolutely livid with Mike Gundy that he chose to do that. Like, I'm all in. I'm here in the in the arena if I'm there, if I'm one of those fans sitting there. I just that, that to me was just incredibly disappointing. That made a disappointing Saturday even more disappointing because Again, I thought that was a slap in the face, but I, I had to get that off my chest. But you did mention hey, the – Real quick, let, let me just throw one thing out here while we're talking about the coaching. Uh, I still think it's a mistake that all season with an offensive line that was great at times and then at times struggled, you had some injuries late in the year. I still think it was a mistake that Ollie Gordon never took a snap out of the Wildcat to get an extra blocker um, inside. I, I think that that would have been useful for Oklahoma State in a game where you were just looking for any way to get him going a little bit. Well, and and I didn't – like that, of course, I completely agree with that. I thought that would have added not only an extra blocker, but an extra wrinkle for Texas to think about. But I didn't really like how they handed it to him in any manner. I mean, it was mostly up the middle. They they didn't run any outside stuff to try and get him to the edge. I mean, Greg McElroy commented on it. He's like, wow, that was one of the few times they even got him to the edge and he had some success. It just it seemed like they were content to run directly up the middle. And I, to me, that's just a losing proposition against Texas. Yeah, I mean, you're getting beat inside. Uh, you're probably going to continue getting beat inside. I just, yeah, I, I didn't like the game plan uh, running the football. Again, there's only so many things you can do from a coaching standpoint when the other team is beating you at the line of scrimmage the way Texas was. Um, but, yeah, I thought that there could have been some more creativity with Ollie. No, and I, I, I did think Casey Dunn took some shots downfield after their first drive or two. I thought that was good stuff. And I, I thought Brennan Presley played – outstanding I mean he's so hard to tackle I've said it again he's one of the best yards after catch receivers I've watched play in an Oklahoma State uniform him and Rashad Owens I thought did what I kind of thought they were capable of I said coming into this matchup that if Oklahoma State was going to win the game that Presley and Owens and, and Leon Johnson had to dominate uh, they didn't dominate but they certainly had success and uh, I, again I I can't say enough good things about those two guys. They're so huge in what Oklahoma State was able to accomplish this year, along with Leon Johnson. Um, they just they just didn't have it offensively. And I, to me, Colby, I think this game was lost defensively. I mean, you had to you had to get stops in this game, and they just they just did not. And so, I thought Presley and Owens were were a rare bright spot for the offense. Yeah, most definitely, uh, they were good. I, I want to talk a little bit more about the other side of the ball because Brian Nardo did some great things this year and he made some halftime adjustments that were exceptional. Um, and, and I think obviously he deserves to be brought back and, and continue to grow in the role and at this level, but I do have some concern, Carson, this is um, more than a trend now that Oklahoma state comes out and plays bad first half defense, like really bad first half defense early in the games, getting beat deep, being out of position. And then a lot of times this year, the halftime adjustments came in and then they were great. But I think that's one thing that I'll be looking for um, and, and looking way ahead here, but just going forward with Brian Nardo is the first half defense going to be better because the halftime adjustments were phenomenal, but the plan coming in week in week out was clearly not very good because they got roasted in a bunch of first halves. Yeah, and I, I certainly get you lose, you know, Cam Smith gets gets injured, but that's that's no excuse. And you're right, that's that's more than a trend now, Colby. That's what been a month, a month of this. Um I don't know if he's anticipating them showing more stuff they haven't shown throughout the week. You're right. It's it's pretty inexcusable between UCF, Houston, BYU, and now Texas. Uh they've been roasted in the first half. Even Oklahoma gashed them for a huge touchdown on their first couple drives. Um, they mostly had all their success in the first half. So that, that trend really 
continued. Same with Cincinnati. I mean, we you're right, Cole. We can go down the holding schedule if we want to. Uh, that's something he has to get figured out. I, I do wonder how much inputs coming from the more seasoned staffers on second half adjustments. It's kind of the Casey Dunn, Mike Gundy thing. You don't know who to give credit to when things are good. You don't know who to you know, give more criticism to when things are bad. Uh, now that this has become such a massive trend, I, I wonder what's going on at halftime um, in terms of why are you so out of position in the first half? Because Colby, it's not just, oh, they missed a tackle and the guy went for 50 yards. It's, I mean, Texas in, Texas was having incompletions that were wide open touchdowns. Colby, they, they didn't have guys in the vicinity the entire first half. It was just, it was embarrassing. Frankly, that's really the only way you can put it. I mean, they it was an embarrassing defensive performance that also kind of reminded me, I threw out the comparison of Ole Miss, uh, Oklahoma State, and the 2015 Sugar Bowl. It kind of reminded me when I was in college, Colby. Mike Gundy's first two, three years, they couldn't stop air defensively. That 07 defense was really bad. Um, and it kind of reminded me of that, where it's just they don't even look like they know what they're doing. Yeah, and I think what what makes it sting a little bit for Oklahoma State fans is we all know that Oklahoma State has had to fight against this national narrative for a long time that you just you can't play defense in this conference. Oklahoma State doesn't play defense when they have a great offense and a great quarterback uh, and they've got these award winners. Then, yeah, they'll march it up and down the field and they'll win some games 45 42. And we all watch the game year in, year out. We know that the defense over the last several years has been really good at Oklahoma State, despite the fact that they're now on their third coordinator in three years. The defense has been really good at Oklahoma State. 2021, historically great. And then you go out yesterday on national TV in a time slot where it's pretty much just you. Like most eyes you've had on you, maybe Bedlam you would have had as many, but I would guess tomorrow you probably had more just because of the time slot uh, and the lack of other options for people to watch. And you, you do something like that defensively. And even though everyone's giving Texas all their credit and talking about how great Texas is offensively and all these things, people nationally are still going to watch that game and look at Oklahoma State and think, man, that defense is paper mache. And that's just something that Oklahoma State has fought against for so long um, that to have it reinforced yesterday on national television to the people who aren't watching week in and week out, whenever you finally get their eyeballs on you, that's what I think makes it sting a little bit more. Um, again, pecking order of college football, Oklahoma State just isn't right there with the elites. And when you get drummed like that on national TV, it's going to remind people nationally where you stack up and those reputations are hard to break out of. Yeah, no, it, it certainly is. Um, that's, that's disappointing. It's kind of the opposite effect of that Notre Dame Fiesta Bowl. But again, I, I think this season also, I think earned Mike Gundy a ton of credit nationally. I mean, there were so many national shows that were raving about Mike Gundy and the fact that nobody talks about him nationally being one of the best coaches in college football. So I ultimately think more good was done than, than harm to the brand of, of Oklahoma State because this brand is my Gundy. Um, it certainly is. And as far as the defense goes, I, I mentioned Cam Smith got hurt and left this game. He, he, let, he was second on the team in tackles. That tells you how bad it was early uh, for Oklahoma State's defense. But we have to give a ton of credit. Colby, the, the lone bright spot, I thought, defensively, Nicholas Martin. I mean – what else can you say about this guy? He's one of the better linebackers OSU's had in recent memory, and he's his stats are up there with Malcolm Rodriguez. He has eight solo tackles, thirteen total, and had the near pick six, had the interception that almost went for a touchdown. I, I thought he was probably the biggest reason Oklahoma State snatched back any semblance of momentum in the second half. Colby with the way he played and was all over the football. Yeah, there was a play Carson that really was a head turner for me. At one point, I think maybe it was in the second quarter, Xavier Worthy catches a pass, just kind of up the numbers on the right, cuts inside, and Xavier Worthy, I think he's going to take it to the house. It looks like he might go. And about 30 yards down the field, Nick Martin catches him and brings him to the ground. And Xavier Worthy wasn't 100% healthy, but Nick Martin's a linebacker, and he's a little bit undersized at about 215 pounds, uh, I think is what he's listed at. But, man, is he fast. And he tracked Worthy down from behind, and he got him. He, he's got great football instincts. He's got the speed. He's a good tackler. He's got good hands when the ball gets his way. He's a good pass rusher. There's just not a lot that, that he doesn't do well as an anchor on that side of the ball. And that's just a guy that you have to retain. I, I think that um, I, I don't know that I maybe want to say that it's as important as retaining Ollie, but I, I said it last week. He is your defense's Ollie. 
and you need to make sure that you secure that. So uh, hopefully he gets gets a bag in the NIL game and sticks around in Stillwater because he is phenomenal, um, and having that guy around a little bit longer certainly won't hurt anybody's feelings. True sophomore. Um, yeah, I think that's that for me, Colby, is the biggest question moving forward for Oklahoma State. We'll have to see. Uh, have they released the bull matchups yet? Are they doing that as we speak? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably as we speak, let me, let me look and see if um, I can him and Ollie both is Ollie a true sophomore or a redshirt sophomore. Man, I've, gotten sophomore. So, I've gotten so screwed up. Uh, uh, well, the fact remains they're both sophomores. So securing Gordon and Martin is paramount. You can't, you cannot let those two walk out the door. If you have any chance to win the big 12 next year, um, that, that is absolutely paramount. So, um, Anything else to talk about in this game, Colby? I mean, again, I think Texas earned it. I mean, I had questions about Quinn Ewers, and again, I I still think this about Quinn Ewers, Colby. I didn't I didn't think he was all that impressive. I think he, I think most of his throws were those wide open throws to the flats and screens. Uh, he hit one, I think, one deep ball that he just floats up there, which is kind of what he did to, get to Alabama as well. I think Sark was the star of this this show. Uh, his, his schemes had Brian Nardo all twisted up and Texas just has uh, Adonai Mitchell as a receiver. They haven't had over the last 12 years. Sanders is a tight end. They haven't quite had and Xavier worthy is a, a talent. They haven't had either. They just, they had the skill talent finally that they have not had over the last 12 years. And look, Oklahoma state needed to play perfect. They played bad and they, they lit them up. So, I mean, that's that, that's about all I have else to say about this game. Do you? Yeah, I would say Texas offensively. One thing a lot of offenses do, and we see this a lot with Oklahoma State too, some defenses are, are good at running the ball uh, inside. Some are good at getting it to the edge. Some are good at throwing it out in the flat. Some are good at throwing it deep up the sidelines. Some teams are good at throwing it across the middle of the field. Texas used every part of the field yesterday offensively. They were able to run the ball between the tackles if they wanted to. They were able to get out on the edge. They used the flats incredibly effectively. Uh, They were throwing the deep ball, you know, the third down where where Quinn Ewers launches it up the left sideline 50 yards, and there's a guy there running right underneath it. They had Jatavian Sanders in the middle of the field and on these deep crossers that we talked about earlier. They, They just used every inch of the field, and when you've got a bunch of freshmen out there trying to defend sideline to sideline and They've got guys who can take the top off the defense and a quarterback who can throw it over your heads and they can run the ball. I, I mean, yes, I, I, I think that the defense was poor yesterday and Brian Nardo has to be better in first halves. But when the opposing offense can do everything well, like Texas can right now, and I really think that they're peaking. I think the last two, three weeks is the best football we've seen Texas play in 14 years. Um, yeah, it's tough on a defense when they're using every part of the field like that. Yeah, that that put them under duress. And again, I I just thought OSU did not play very well like they had in the last few few weeks. And against Texas, uh, you ain't coming back like they had the last the last few weeks. Um, let's get to the Chris's University Spirit uniform review. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Colby, I thought I nailed it again. I mean, OSU's been trending downward. My uni picks have been trending upward this season. I think I've done better than than usual. Uh, nailed it with the all black and the cursive. Uh, looked the old look good, feel good, play good. Uh, we didn't get the last part, but man, they looked awesome. Yeah, they looked great. I thought they would go with the orange shirts. They went with the all black. Um, it really did look great. It's a shame that they got beat the way they did because that was a very clean look. And I would like to see uh, more of those in the future. They just everything they're wearing right now looks so good. Like, like Kyle talked about last week, the orange that they have right now is such a good orange. They've got the accents, right? They've got the font, right? I hope these are around for a long, long time. Yep. No, it, it looked awesome. Uh, curious to see what they do in the, in the bowl game. We'll have to wait and see if they're the home team. I hope so. That just gives you so many more options as the home team, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Let's get to the yingling toast of the week. I had a yingling lager. Nice. Nice and cold, cracked it, expecting to watch a good game between Oklahoma State and Texas. Uh, it was not, but the Yingling was flowing at the in House Cunningham, Colby's, and that made it. Uh, they made Saturday a lot better than it than it was just sitting there watching the game. Yep, the Yinglings are always key. They're they're there for you whenever you need them in celebration a week ago and in despair yesterday. They're uh, multi-purpose. These Yinglings. Yep. Who are you going with with your toast of the week? Uh, how about this? I'm going a little off the board here. Mine is not coming from Arlington. 
I'm giving my yingling toast of the week to one Mr. Jabbar Muhammad. I was a huge fan of his a year ago. I, I felt like I talked about him every week going into the season. I just, I loved everything about Jabbar Muhammad and he is such a stud man. And I'm happy for him, happy for Washington that they got that win the other night. He made a handful of big plays in that game after making some big plays the week before I had 42 tackles this year, a couple of sacks, three picks, a fumble recovery. And he's out there on almost every play for Washington, just locking down one side of the field. He is a cowboy that I think most people probably already have forgotten about. And if not, they will soon because he's just a corner who pretty much played one year at Oklahoma State uh, as a full-time player. But he had a great year at Washington, and I'm happy for him, a former Cowboy, to go out and have so much success and be going to the college football playoff. So uh, I'll be rooting for Washington. I don't love their chances, but I'll be rooting for Washington and for Jabbar Muhammad. He's really become, Colby, I think one of the best cornerbacks in the nation. I tweeted that. There was a clip of him in, in tight coverage against Oregon, that he a pass that he had bro- broken up. Uh, man, him and I think Adam Lunt pointed out Thomas Harper has played outstanding at Notre Dame. And Lunt points out that, you know, Oklahoma State's really missed a shifty guy who can cover the slot. Uh, that that certainly would have helped against Texas with all their passes to the flat. So I think OSU does not miss very many players that they lost in the portal. Uh, Mason Cobb comes to mind, but they miss Jabbar Muhammad and Thomas Harper. Those two guys were difference makers in the secondary. And let's face it, that's where Oklahoma State has struggled the most this year defensively. So we'll have to see what Brian Nardo can do to adjust uh, coming into next year. So that that's a great toast. Um, I'm going back to where I started um, talking defense. I'm going to give a big toast to Nicholas Martin. I mean, capping off what I thought was deserving of a Budkiss Award type season. Um, he doesn't get the recognition because he doesn't play with, you know, one of the Blue Bloods and Oklahoma State's defense doesn't have a great reputation nationally. But again, I, I thought he kind of had a moment there in the second half, Colby, where he said, we're not we're not going out like this. So I'm going to do something about it. And he really started to show up. He really started to make plays, forced uh, forced to punt, had the pick. Uh, he, he left it all out there. And I think he, along with Ollie Gordon, are the biggest reasons Oklahoma State got to this point terms of on the football field uh, certainly alan bowman brennan presley rashad owens deserve credit uh but he's the heart and soul of the defense so got to give nicholas martin another another toast yeah i love that one it was a position we were worried about coming into the season with the departure of mason cobb and mason cobb he had a great year last year shout out to uh his performance a year ago but he was not missed even a little bit nicholas martin was so good um xavier benson i think underrated as robin to uh, Nicholas Martin's Batman, but yeah, they were, they were phenomenal this year. Uh, and especially Nick Martin leading the way. I thought he had a case for big 12 defensive player of the year. I understand why it went to, um, it went to sweat, right? To Vondre sweat down in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand why it went to him. He's a great player as well, but Nicholas Martin was pretty special this year. Yep. I agree. So, well, do we, is it time that we talk about the playoff? The playoffs? <laughs> playoffs? We got to win a game. Playoffs? <laughs> Uh, Colby, I, to me, this is a dark day for the sport of college football. It, it really oh, is. Oh, no. All right. Let's disagree. You go first. Yeah. Let, we don't disagree much. Let's do it. Uh, this is a, this is a devastating day for the sport of college football. And you can sit here and tell me, Carson, they're going to a 12 team playoff. We're not going to have this situation much longer. I don't care. It, it's unfathomable to me that a team like Florida state, can go undefeated, win their conference, and don't even get the opportunity to play for a national championship when Alabama lost on their home field to Texas. And you can sit here and tell me that Alabama's better, that they'll be favored. I don't give a you-know-what. Why even play the season if the season doesn't matter? What you accomplish doesn't matter. Then let's just put Georgia and Alabama automatic auto bids into the playoff every year because they're the best two teams. Why not do that? And you can't sit here and tell me that Florida State with their backup quarterback isn't as good offensively as Michigan. Michigan stinks offensively. Did you see them against Iowa? That was a that was a pig and slop watching those two offenses with air quotes try to put points on the board. I mean, give me a break. Florida State's defense is as good as anyone else's. If it, Did anyone watch them shut down a Louisville offense that hadn't scored less than 23 since September? Like, 
why do we give Michigan a pass offensively and Florida State's Heisman quarterback goes down and we don't – ah, well, they're just – they're not any good anymore. <laughs> they just won the ACC with their third stringer and their second stringers coming back, who won in the swamp, by the way, in a hostile environment. I just – Colby, what you do in the season has to matter. It has to. It has to. Now convince me otherwise. Uh, okay, so here's where I'll start. Number one, yes, you win your conference, you go undefeated almost every other year that would get you in. I think there's some context around this Florida State season that makes me okay with them being left out. Number one, I think my personal opinion, the ACC was just a tick tougher than Conference USA this year. It was a really bad conference. Um, and I know that it sucks, and I know that it's not fair, and it's not, but I think the Jordan Travis thing matters. I, I think that the reason we went to human beings instead of computers is to apply context to these things, and it's the committee's job to give us the best playoff. I think Florida State's defense is legit. I think if they would have gotten in, they would have gotten absolutely drummed in the first round because they might have gotten shut out in that game and scored zero points. It, it sucks, man, but I'm looking for a marquee win on Florida State's schedule, and I can't find one. Uh, I mean, they've got a they have, they have more than Alabama does. But Alabama has the best win of the entire college football season. Why? Because they beat the number one ranked team? Because they beat a team that hadn't lost in like 800. They, they also lost a game, and Florida State hasn't. They did, They lost, but they lost to the number three team in the country. And if Florida State has to play Texas and Georgia, I think any reasonable person thinks that Florida State doesn't doesn't go undefeated and, and that they lose both of those games. I just I, – I don't think it's fair – but I don't think it's supposed to be fair. I, I think the committee is just supposed to decide um, who the foremost deserving teams are. And, and the quarterback injury sucks. But I'm also looking at a really bad Florida State schedule. And when you play a really bad schedule and it's a really loaded year, I think that's the other thing. This was a really loaded year. TCU got in last year with a loss and didn't even win their conference. And TCU got in because it was a super weak year at the top of college football. This year, I mean, coming into the final week, we have seven or eight teams that could have made the playoffs. A couple get knocked out, and now you have to leave out deserving teams. I mean, Georgia hadn't lost in 800 days. They're number six in the country. Florida State goes undefeated in power five. They're number five. I think almost every other year, both of those teams get in, but it was just stacked at the top this year. Bill Connolly, I was curious what a matchup of resume, SP+, plus, and strength of record would have to say about the top seven. One, Michigan. Two, Florida State. Three, Washington four Ohio State, five Alabama, six Georgia, seven Texas. I mean, you sit here and say Florida State doesn't have any quality wins. Their resume is better than everyone else's, other than maybe Michigan. I'd be curious as to how some of these SEC – or pardon me, some of these ACC schools are being rated there. Maybe it's just my own personal opinion of the ACC is so low. I I just think that they're a distant They beat LSU in the non-conference. They did. They did. That's a good win. That's probably their best win is their non-conference win against LSU. Um, but again, it's it's an LSU team with just one of the worst defenses in the country. I, again, it's not fair. The Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback you know, that, they it, held, that they held to 24 points, mind you. And, and I wanted to be clear. I'm not saying Florida State didn't deserve to be there. I think Florida State did deserve to be there. But they got really unlucky. Their quarterback's leg snapped in half, and I think the committee factored that in. And if I was on the committee, I probably would have too because I, I think that if you put Florida State in – I think you're just chalking one of the playoff games up as an automatic blowout, and I don't know if I could do that. So I don't think it's fair, and I think that they deserved it, but I, I, it's not about fair, and it's not about deserve. I, I think that they just got really unlucky. Do you think Florida State needed a fourth and 31 to beat a 6-6 six and six team a week ago? No. Not yeah. even with their third-string quarterback did they need to do that. I know. I, and, and, again, it's, it's just the weight that I think comes with beating Georgia – um, and, and I don't even know if my argument is, is that strong. Yours is probably stronger. You're undefeated. You win a power five com- conference, you, you go right. But I, I just look around at what I think is a weak ACC and a team who got really unlucky to have their quarterback break his leg. And I just, yeah, I don't think I could have done it this year. I think it was too, too top heavy. You're just, you're wrong on this one. I don't know. What just yeah. tell you. Yeah. I, and again, like I said, I think your argument's probably stronger than mine because I am I am significantly factoring in the Jordan Travis injury. I don't even know what the playoff rules are as far as what the committee is supposed to do with injuries, but the Florida State team that would be going to the playoff 
is not the same team that started 11 and 0. They won their last two games without him. Um, but it's just, yeah, when, when he goes down, I think that that matters. And maybe, maybe I'm giving that too much credit. I, do you actually know what the committee rule is? Are they supposed to factor injuries? Who knows? They, they make it up as they go along. The, the criteria changes to put in who they want to put in. You're right. And, and honestly, I think that this year was great for college football because I think every show, every podcast, every TV, every radio, all week, everybody's going to get to talk about, talk about who should have been in and who should have been out. Um, also, at the end of the day, and this isn't the reason that I would have done it, but I knew that the committee wasn't going to leave Bama and Georgia out. The, the SEC just garners too much respect nationally. Um, and and I, don't, I don't use that as one of my reasons, but I for sure think that that was one of the committee's reasons. Yeah. I mean, sad, sad, tragic day for the sport of college football that a team goes undefeated, doesn't even get the right to play for it all, doesn't even get the right to play for a national championship, and they went undefeated in favor of several teams that lost a game. That, that to me, is asinine. Why even play the games? Why do we play them? Yeah, I, I think what you're saying speaks to the larger problem and that is college football has had an insanely flawed way of determining its champion throughout its entire history. I mean, D2 and D3 figured this out a long time ago. Just put all the best teams in a playoff and go see who wins. You, you've got win or go home scenarios. College football at the highest level throughout its entire existence has had a massively flawed way of determining the champion, and it still does, and that's how we sit here um, after the playoff has been decided and everyone has different opinions on who should and who shouldn't be in, I do think it is a, a Jordan travesty, if you will, that an undefeated power five conference champion doesn't get to play for a national championship. And, and I think that it's just a byproduct of the system that college football has created, which doesn't allow deserving teams a chance to even do it. Well, let me ask you this. Um, why do you think Florida state's not one of the four best teams just because of their quarterback? I think that that is a, for me, that's a huge factor. They don't have a quarterback. Well, how about this? Florida State playing with a true freshman, third string quarterback, had more yards against number 14, Louisville, than Michigan did with their starting quarterback against number 16, Iowa. Like, you have no, you have no case that they're not one of the four best teams, considering they just outperform Michigan against a stronger offensive opponent. Michigan. <laughs> put up less yards with their starter. <laughs> Explain that to me, how Florida State's not one of the four best teams. They went undefeated, and they just beat a higher-ranked team and put up more yardage with a third-string true freshman than Michigan did, who's the number one seed. Can, can I one-fourth concede? Can I one-fourth concede that I'm okay with putting Florida State ahead of Michigan, but I personally would have Washington, Texas, and Alabama above them? Because I need you to concede this is a travesty and a black eye for the sport of college football? Um, I would say in the larger context of not having a good way to decide a champion, I would agree with that. I, I, I don't know about this one specific instance has made me lose faith in the system. I think the system's always been broken. Well, what's, what's interesting to me is back when we had the BCS and the computers, there was none of this talk about who would be favored on a neutral field, the eye test, who has more NFL talent. This all came about when people with agendas have no resume to speak of. It, it started, the eye test started with Kirk Herbstreet's opening his big mouth about Alabama in 2011. Well, I just, they passed the eye test for me over Oklahoma State. I mean, I know Oklahoma State's resume blows theirs out of the water, but I just think Alabama's better. That's what this sport has devolved into since we got rid of the computers. And it drives me up a wall and they're lucky we haven't had this situation more years with a four-team playoff. But when you make a four-team playoff, it seems pretty simple to me that if you lose, you are behind the team that hasn't lost. And for me, that is a disgrace to the sport, them putting Alabama in over Florida State. It just is. That's how I feel. You don't have to agree with me, but that's how I feel about it. You, you swayed me some. Uh, my argument is mostly resting on a quarterback injury, which probably isn't fair. Um, and, and again, I, I don't think it's fair. I just think it's really bad luck for Florida state. I agree with you that the committee is lucky. This hasn't happened more often. I mean, think about it. We're nearly a decade into the playoff now. Maybe we are a decade in when to start 14, 15, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, we're 14. 
Yeah, so we're about a decade into this thing now, and most years there have been a pretty cl- clear-cut top four, and the committee has been lucky. And and this, today, this conversation that we're having is why, for a decade, I've been advocating. Me and John Hoover used to go back and forth uh, about this uh, whenever we were on the franchise. He didn't like the idea of an expanded playoff. I thought it was the only possible way to keep college football massive in the way it is because at some point, you're just going to need a legitimate way to decide a champion. I, I've been championing the 8- or 12-team playoff for a decade, and this year is why, because Florida State deserves to be in, but then there are people like me who are going to sit here and go, look, I can't do it when they don't have a quarterback, but if it was 12, then we could do it and and see how it plays out on the field, which is how it should be. Um, and, and the further we get into this, the worse I feel for Florida State because it's just they're the vi- they're a victim of bad luck and a bad system. And and yeah, it's finally getting fixed, but it's getting fixed too late for Florida State. How ridiculous is this? Florida State could sit Jordan Travis the last three games of the year and win and be in right now. Or yeah. how about this? Uh, this is from Shehan Jaria. I can't ever say his name from CBS Sports. If Florida State lied about Jordan Travis's injury and claimed he was day-to-day and would be back for the CFP, would they be in? I, I think they might. I mean, now, his leg was dangling like a like a <laughs> noodle. It was disgusting. They can't really lie about that. But let's say, let's say it wasn't as obvious. If they just lied, they'd be in. That's how stupid this decision was from the committee. It just was. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I... And look, I, do I think Bama will give Michigan a better game of... Yeah, I do. I think I think Bama's probably the better football team right now, given the quarterback spot. I see what you're saying, though. I, but I'm following but your is Florida State just outmatched by Michigan? Absolutely not. Like they put up more yards and won with their third string true freshman. Like get out of here with this. Michigan is this great team. They struggled their way through the Iowa. They ended up dominating Iowa, but it was a slog as it typically is with them. They are not a. They are not some juggernaut that Florida State just could not conquer. And in my opinion, Florida State earned the right to get their shot at Michigan. Uh, Alabama didn't. They lost on their home field. If they had lost in Austin, they'd have more of an argument. But they lost on their home field. Yeah, your your argument is stronger than mine. Um, mine is mine is holding on by a thread, a, a, a tibia or a fibula, if you will. Just, whichever. whichever. Um, the sport has long been flawed. It's it's a it's a it's a sad sad day for the sport. You know what's going to happen now, now, though, don't you? You know what's going to happen. Alabama's going to win it all, just like Ohio State did with their, you know, their controversial entrance. Yeah, Bama's going to win it all. I just, I already know it. Every, we we all thought they were dead. They lost to Texas the following week. They lead South, South what, Florida, like three to nothing at halftime or something. Um, fourth and goal from the 30 against Auburn, and they're going to win the national title. I can already see it coming. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. Hopefully, hopefully anybody but Texas. <laughs> Um, yeah, that wouldn't really be a fun way for them to leave the big 12 as national champions. Also, it, it just, to me, if Texas were to win it, it would just so reinforce this idea that, Hey, even if you're one of these big programs, just keep spending money, keep firing coaches, keep spending money, keep firing coaches. Eventually, if you just have all the more resources than every other school, eventually it'll work out for you. Um, Texas has run their program like an absolute joke for more than a decade now. And then they hit on coach and quarterback one time, and now they could win a natty. That's just the difference in being one of these big programs that have all the resources. Uh, Oklahoma's playing in the Alamo Bowl, shockingly. They did not get a New Year's Six. They'll face Arizona. So that that shifts Oklahoma State likely to Orlando would be my guess. For what's, I think it's called the Pop-Tart Bowl now instead of the Cheez-It. But I don't, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe the Texas Bowl, that was a lot of the projections against A&M. But we'll, we'll have to see where OSU ends up. But that's official. OU's playing in San Antonio. I really did not want the Alamo Bowl um, because that thing starts at like 9.15 Central. Give me a break. I've got a one-year-old. Gosh, you're old. You're, you're worried about late kick times now? Dude, I'm, I'm like picking out bowl games on the schedule based on which one kicks off at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Man, I, don't, I don't need to be up till midnight watching this bowl game. Well, you better get used to it. We got all these Pac-12 teams coming to the Big 12. Oh, no. Yeah, that's not going to be good. You better get used to that, brother. You better just get the all coffee right. on the pot. Oh, I love this headline. Oklahoma left out of New York, New Year's Six Bowl field. It's just they, they think they deserve so much more than they deserve. Oh, I've been seeing tweets all day about what, how great their 
like what makes people think OU's resume is any good? I know SM, I guess S, they got a huge boost by SMU get, getting the upset win. Now SMU won their conference, but str- they largely struggled throughout their schedule and beat Texas. That's pretty much what happened. Yeah, they won a fluky rivalry game against one of the best teams in the country when the ball was bouncing around like crazy all day long. Um, they beat UCF at home by two points. They were, were leading SMU by like six in the fourth quarter. They lost Oklahoma State. They lost to Kansas. Struggled like, with Cincinnati. Like Yeah, struggled with Cincinnati. Get out of here with OU being some juggernaut. Re- regression happened. Last year, they lost all their one-score games. A little bit of regression happened. And this year, they, they won most of their one score games, still not all because your head coach uh, couldn't keep his emotions in check in the fourth quarter in Lawrence or in Stillwater. Well, and look, they, they put up a ton of points against some bad teams at home, uh, but they largely struggled through the conference play. They, they did not exhibit a team to me that deserves to play in the New Year's six. They just, they just didn't, but yeah, I follow too many beat writers that just, that just think OU's a lot better than they really are. I don't I don't really get it, but I think it's because on weeks where they get hot, then they score like 73. But yeah. I mean, if you get hot and what? I think they scored 65 or more three times this year, most in the country, and that's great. But there's nine other games. What what'd you do in the nine other games when you weren't just having a, a field day against a weaker opponent? You struggled a lot of those times and you lost no. to two teams that you're gonna sit there and tell me you're better than. Well, if you're so much better than them, maybe you should have won at least one or the other, and your season would look a lot differently. Well, my boy Caden McFarland got the the wrath of um, Sooner Nation when he suggested that Oklahoma, that Texas was a couple steps ahead of them going into the SEC, and everyone pointed out, of course, that that uh, OU won the regular season matchup. But does that mean does that mean Texas is a better program than Alabama because they beat Bama? I I don't think so. Uh, no. You know what's funny is OU fans are going to sit here and say, yeah, OSU might have won the final bedlam, but obviously we're the better team. Look at what happened against Texas. And then on the flip side, they're going to say, yeah, Texas is going to the playoff and they they dominated and had a great season, but we won the game. So who's really the better team here? They're, they're playing both sides. Well, yeah, but I just I I think Caden's tweet is is right. I mean, Texas to me looks the part. Uh, and Oklahoma's got a ways to go on their defensive line, and their their defense stunk really this year. <laughs> no one wants to talk about it because Brent Venables runs the defense, but they were really good offensively. Let uh, Jeff Lebby's leaving, and their defense stunk. I mean, they got lit the last. You know, TCU's true freshman quarterback put up a ton of yards and points against them, so they they're gonna have a tough time in the SEC. Uh, final thoughts, Colby. Again, remarkable year for Oklahoma State. Remarkable job by Mike Gundy. Uh, played a, they, they really just trended downward as the season ended. Uh, but nothing to hang your head about. You were playing with house money. I would have liked to have seen them been more competitive. I think there were some opportunities to do so. I was disappointed in the defensive performance and, and play calling, but again, it's hard to complain with Mike Gundy being one of the few programs that have played for a, multiple conference titles the last couple of years. So job well done. And we'll have to wait and see where they're heading for the bowl game. Yeah, it was a great season. Look, Saturday was rough. Um, Texas played a great game. Texas is a great team. Doesn't happen very often. Hasn't happened in a long time. We've all been wondering when they're going to figure it out and put it all together. They did this year. Oklahoma State was just overmatched yesterday. But Oklahoma State, I I truly think this season maximized what they had. I I mean, at the end of September, I I thought four and eight was where I was at at the end of September. They won nine games in the regular season. They're going to have a chance to have a 10-win season in a bowl game, either go 10-4 and four or 9-5, and five, which are rare records in college football because not often uh, do you get to play 14 games if you only win 9 or 10. Normally, 14-game schedules are reserved for the teams that have won 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games. Um, all in all, I think it was a great season for Oklahoma State, and it, it was a big year for Mike Gundy to just remind everybody, hey, we've got a certain way we do things. It works more times than not over the course of, of time. He was the coach of the year. Um, if you would have said all these things at the end of September, putting a Doak Walker trophy in the trophy case, I, I think we would have all really loved that result. So yesterday was tough, but I'm still very happy with the way this roller coaster of a season played out for Oklahoma State team. I think this team was gritty, and they were a lot of fun to root for. Yep, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I hope everybody – I thought Oklahoma State fans really showed out. Uh, huge – record-setting attendance for the Big 12 championship game. So, game was disappointing, but I hope everybody had fun down in uh, Jerry World. So, Colby? Announcement. You ready? Yep. All right. So, my wife and I have an old laptop. We pretty much never use it. 
I got on it because um, our power went out earlier. We needed it because it, it had some charge on it. I was logged into Twitter on the old laptop. I was logged in, so now I can fix it myself. I don't have to wait for Twitter support to come through. I don't have time today. I'm so far behind. When you don't get on Twitter for three weeks, um, I have so much, so many things to go through. I'm not even going to try to touch it today. But sometime in the next few days, I will be on Twitter. I will respond to as many of you as possible. Probably not everyone because I just I have so much to get to. Uh, but I'm back. I'm back on Twitter. So that's good news. Well, I thought you were going to tell me what bowl matchup was for Oklahoma State. But that's that's great news. You can finally interact with everyone. I know it's I, I missed like the whole now. I mean, now I'm going to be interacting about basketball, which is not going great at the moment. Hopefully conference play goes a lot better. Oh, yeah. oh, we haven't talked about that yet. I, I'm just I'm hoping for an Oklahoma State football like season where we're all sitting here at the beginning like, oh, this is going to be a long year. And then it clicks for them and they make it all work. Um, but I don't know if I really see that happening. So, uh, but yeah, now that it's basketball season, I can get back on Twitter. Well, that's good. Uh, that's about the only good thing that happened this weekend. Uh, tragic, tragic, devastating day for the history of college football. Uh, and also a sad day for OSU fans who watched them get blown off the field, but, uh, we'll be back at it again this week. Colby, we'll, we'll talk more about the bowl matchup. That's probably going to come down here in a few minutes after we're done recording, but, um, good to be with you, Colby. And, uh, we'll talk to you later this week. Yep, we'll be back later in the week, talk bowl game, and uh, probably give out some grades for the season for Oklahoma State, kind of look back on some of the big picture things. So appreciate everyone joining us. Thanks for listening. As always, go Pokes.